0: Hey there, Kubrick fans. If you like what you hear during this episode, be sure to visit our website at thekubrickseries.com for more episodes and uncut interviews from the series. And you can also consider making a one-time or recurring monthly donation in any amount of your choosing if you'd like to support our podcast. That's thekubrickseries.com. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Kubrick series Uncut. In this episode, we speak with screenwriter Ian Watson. Mr. Watson collaborated with Kubrick for the better part of a year on the screen story for AI, which would eventually be directed by Steven Spielberg following Kubrick's death.
1: Uh, Well, I uh, remember watching 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, when it first came out in a cinema in Tokyo where I was working at the time. And uh, because of the extremely small size of the seats, uh, I was very uh, jealous uh, of the astronauts uh, having this enormous amount of uh, space station uh, to um, walk around in and run around in and ride bicycles around in and so forth. Uh, I'm not actually very big, but um, uh, it was um, a cinema built for uh, the the smaller kind of Japanese body. Mm. Mm hmm and um, I thought it was, um, and I still think, uh, it's the um, uh, the greatest uh, and most boring masterpiece of the uh, 20th century in uh, science fiction cinema.
0: The greatest and most boring? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> it, it,
0: it is very deliberately paced. But,
1: uh, yeah, that's another way of putting it. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Do you think it's though because because several of his movies have this deliberate pace. I mean there's there's portions of uh, Eyes Wide Shut come to mind as well and of course Barry Lyndon. What what do you think that uh, achieves? I mean it, it it feels after a while it feels very hypnotic. I mean you're you're kind of lost in the feeling of the film. Do you, do you find that that's the case or
1: Oh it's very hypnotic yeah um, i I went to the uh, premiere in London of uh, eyes Wide Shut and uh, found it uh, completely enchanting mm-hmm. uh, and you know very very involving and I also found it enchanting because after the uh, uh, the premiere uh, we went off to uh, Hyde Park where there was champagne until all hours and you know, which always makes something enchanting
0: mm-hmm. i
1: I agree with you about the oh the uh, a kind of a hypnotic rhythm. They say is that, uh, that Stanley was wonderful at designing uh, a kind of masquerade machinery uh, where light and lenses and garments and script and music and everything else is perfectly integrated. Mm-hmm. And he would uh, devote years uh, to getting the perfect integration.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, how do you think he expanded the, the restrictions of, of the science fiction genre, uh, if there are restrictions, uh, w- with 2001?
1: Well, he could have uh, uh, started a good trend in science fiction drama. Tell us, you know, when uh, Star Wars first came out. Um, most of my uh, science fiction writers friends thought, uh, hey, great, we're going to see real science fiction movies made from real science fiction books uh, in the future. And this just did not happen uh, to a very great extent. Hmm. Uh, what you tended to, to get was um, uh, Hollywood action adventure. And until the telling you, well, uh, as about fantasy, uh, uh, <coughs> I think that, uh, you know, the films of Lord of the Rings are, are uh, uh, wonderful. And I can name a few SF movies that I think are actually uh, uh, top, such as uh, Dark City, mm-hmm. uh, which was so much better uh, than The Dreadful uh, Matrix, which follows a few year later, mm-hmm. and on the same theme, scene, um, uh, which uh, uh, one was bombed at box office. So uh, what people are going to... Um, uh, respond to is not necessarily uh, my concept of, uh, uh, of a jolly good SF movie. I thought that, uh, say, The Matrix was just uh, flash. It was a fashion movie with big guns, whereas Dark City uh, was a philosophical, well integrated, noir SF movie.
0: Right, right.
1: I also uh, eccentrically happened to like uh, David Lynch's version of Dune which I don't think anybody else uh, in the known universe does. (laughs) Well,
0: I... That
1: actually actually is because uh, it it stuck to the book, uh, Mm. almost to an obsessive extent. Uh, I remember my um, moment of awe and admiration and um, mm, surrealism uh, at the very end of uh, the Lynch movie when one of the characters says to the other, For he is the Krizach Haderach. And unless you know the book Inside Out, uh, you just have not the funniest idea what a <laughs> Kubrick is.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: no, that's pronounced.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I love David Lynch too. But uh, t- there's something interesting too about uh, Kubrick's films in large part because he was able to make, for the most part, uh, commercial art films. So with the 2001. Uh, of course, there were, there was jaw, were jaw dropping visuals on display, uh, and and, and uh, advanced effects that that wowed audiences. But it was the it was the ideas that mattered to Kubrick in these films, and and he used everything, uh, every color of his palette, the actors, everything else, to explore and exhaust those particular ideas that obsessed him.
1: Uh, yeah, this is true. And, oh, incidentally, regarding The Shining, which I was greatly impressed by, and mm-hmm. you know, which uh, does show off uh, uh, te- techniques really inspired by Kubrick, such as the um, Uh, uh I-, I thought it was an absolutely wonderful, well, uh, yeah, art movie mm-hmm. and what a horror movie ought to be. And I do note that Stephen King didn't like it in the slightest.
0: <laughs> yes, we've talked a lot about The Shining and and how and how, it, particularly in terms of genre. Uh, and I've received the most interesting interpretations of that movie. They, they are all over the map, and more so than any other film in Kubrick's Kubrick's career. The Shining seems to spark the most <laughs> the most kind of outrageous interpretations. It's very surprising.
1: Well, you know, Stanley told me about that that he was um, uh, you know willing to wait and uh, t- do a take again and again and again forever in case uh, something interesting happened. Uh, so he uh, shot uh, Jack Nicholson crossing the road in The Shining uh, for that very reason, uh, 80 times, uh, because he just hoped something interesting, you know, visually and also conceptually would happen.
0: Mm hmm,
1: mm hmm. A, a kind of way of shaking actors loose of the, the fact that they're actors, right. possibly, you know, get them into a state of uh, uh, complete exhaustion so that they have forgotten who they are, even.
0: Mm hmm, yes. Uh, so he had read uh, so, some of your uh, your work. Is that what attracted him to you, to contact you?
1: Uh, well, entirely his assistant, <coughs> um, uh, Tony Flynn, uh, who was given the job of finding uh, uh, some other British, uh, some other unused uh, British uh, SF riders uh, who um, uh, lived in the British Isles because uh, Stanley wouldn't uh, uh, travel anywhere else. And, um, uh, you know, who could reach him uh, reasonably. And uh, 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 Terry Fern turned around a number of the uh, science fiction specialist bookshops and said, uh, Who's a writer with lots of uh, ideas? And uh, a few of them said me, so I was
0: summoned. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this was for uh, a project, Super Toys Last All Summer Long, and it, it had already been. Developed in screenplay form by the time you came in to do more work, or no, it never
1: got that far. Um, uh, already, uh, Kubrick had worked with a couple of guys, I think, including all this we he got rid of. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got into it, one thing was established, which was that um, uh, there would be climate changes, and we would have uh, a flooded New York. Uh, but that was about the only given thing. Uh, we just had. Uh, the um, uh, uh, mother Monica uh, and uh, uh, the boy and the teddy bear and uh, basically uh, uh, David wants as in Pinocchio to um, uh, become a real boy Uh, uh, Aldous, who wrote the original story completely hated the idea of uh, uh, Pinocchio being joined to this, but Stanley Mm -hmm. was adamant uh, that that's what he wanted basically because he was trying to write a, a futuristic uh, fairy tale uh, you know a fairy tale for um uh, uh for for robots almost
0: yeah yeah and did this did this material uh did i mean did it turn you on i mean did 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 you did you respond immediately to what he was trying to accomplish uh
1: well uh the, I thought that the original story was completely uh, unusable and unsuitable, but I just kept quiet about that. And um, uh, he wouldn't show me what had been written, apart from uh, just telling me to read the original story. Uh, so I set out with, with, with a sort of a, uh, a skeptical amusement to, um, uh, to play with Stanley in his nursery and um, uh, move around the pieces of uh, Monica and the boy and the teddy bear. And our real breakthrough came, I think, when I um, invented Gigolo Joe. Uh, One day Stanley said to me, look, um, the boy and the bear aren't going to get very far unless somebody helps them. And he added, uh, somebody like a G.I. Joe character. And I immediately said, ah, what about a Gigolo Joe? And he looked at me and said, okay, write some scenes. (laughs) So I wrote some scenes. And Stanley uh, said to me, okay, we've lost the kiddie market, but what the hell? <laughs> and I know that um, uh, you know Jiggleo uh, Joe gave the uh, the kick in the pants that uh, maybe the film needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley kept on trying uh, to dumb down Gigolo Joe because he was um, uh, convinced that uh, robots should talk in a very simple way, uh, like the uh, gardener in um, being, uh, there. being there, yeah. uh, actually by Peter Sellers. Uh, so he would uh, just tell me to get rid of my uh, uh, flights of rhetoric. But for, fortunately, uh, and well, after Stanley sadly died, uh, Spielberg uh, was very meticulous in going through everything uh, that had been produced for the, um, uh, for the film uh, in the way of, uh, for example, all the deleted scenes which I had uh, uh, done in many versions in the past. And Spielberg restored the, um, uh, the rhetoric of Gigolo Joe. And also, incidentally, Uh, He brought um, uh, back uh, the uh, flesh fair uh, carnival of uh, the Mm. fiesta of destruction of the robots, which I'd done a few takes on, but uh, Stanley told me to leave it out.
0: Mm. Since you mentioned the the resulting film that Mr. Spielberg directed, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Because when I watch it, I love it. But it seems to be such a fascinating hybrid of Spielberg-Kubrick uh, for me.
1: Yeah, well, um, I thought it was great, and um, uh, Spielberg tried to uh, do a homage to uh, Stanley, his friend by using the same kind of cinematographic, uh, cinematographic techniques that uh, Stanley had used in the past, mm-hmm. long shots and so forth. And I think that um, the result was uh, you know, pretty much what Stanley would have liked to see. Uh, you've got to remember that um, uh, Stanley had already tried to involve uh, Spielberg uh, as the director of the movie, uh, whereas Stanley would be the producer. Uh, this was because uh, you could say that uh, a lot of uh, uh, Stanley's previous movies uh, were uh, wonderful cinematographic machines, but perhaps a little bit cold, uh, whereas um, this was going to be a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it wasn't really a precedent for Stanley making fairy tales. And uh, Spielberg is the, the master of plucking the strings of the human heart. Uh, I actually had a, an email from a uh, person at Moscow University sometime after the movie came out uh, saying to me, uh, I'm writing a thesis on the difference between uh, AI, uh, the movie by Spielberg, and uh, AI, the movie that Kubrick would have made. And, uh, you know, I'd like you to comment upon this if you would. And uh, so I emailed back and said, well, actually, I don't think there's very much difference, basically. And back came the sad reply from her in Moscow, saying, I, this is what all the people I've talked to are saying. It's going to be very difficult for me to write my thesis.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I, I do love the movie. And, and, it, and, it, and it feels wholly like a Kubrick movie and wholly like a, a Spielberg movie for me. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting. A miracle. Uh, yeah uh,
1: well, of course, I'm prejudiced.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. Well, you did fantastic work on it. You, uh, so, when you met Kubrick, tell me what you were expecting because he was he was a figure of almost mythic proportions uh, for movie fans. Uh, and, and tell me what you actually discovered upon meeting him. Uh,
1: well, um, having a a, a, a summons wrapped in paranoia, uh, which quite a lot of things were, down to the the Kubrick residence, um, uh, filled me with a slight sense of paranoia as well. So I uh, volunteered to drive myself there rather than be picked up by a chauffeur-driven car. And, um, you know, I immediately found uh, Stanley to be uh, a very companionable and uh, hospitable guy. And... um, I couldn't have worked with him for uh, um, nine months, eyeball to eyeball, seeing him about three times a week for hours on end, uh, if I hadn't actually liked him. And uh, the question of whether he likes me, well, yeah, I think he did. But, um, and I think he did because um, he actually, when we parted, uh, he, he was on a, a down at the time and thought that, uh, uh, that nothing good had happened to the movie and uh, uh Time for the partying of the ways. He actually telephoned me to uh, say goodbye, and that didn't happen to uh, many other collaborators. He would ju- just uh, tend to uh, turn his back. At mm-hmm. uh, the uh, same time, Stanley uh, he would focus intensely upon the person with whom he was working. You know, he wanted to know what made them tick uh, in all possible ways, and um, this happened with actors too. And Malcolm McDowell, as Alex in Clockwork Collins was inevitably uh, almost living with the, uh, the Kubrick family, and uh, then discovered to his shock uh, that when the movie was finished, uh, this just ceased because he assumed that he had become uh, bosom friends, and that was not so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I did not have any of these kind of expectations. In fact, I never actually believed that there would be any movie resulting at all uh, so um, I didn't get worried about the uh, pie-in-the-sky bonus. No. Uh, I remember what Stanley said to me one day, uh, look, Ian, you've got to do better. Uh, there's a lot of money in this field. And I looked at him and said, I'm not primarily interested in money. And he stared at me bewildered. And um, <laughs> I, think, I think what saved me was the, uh, what enabled me to uh, uh, get through the other uh, nine months uh, was the feeling that I was in a kind of surrealistic comedy. And though I performed to my best, uh, I wasn't going to, um, uh, get nervous either about the fact that, uh, you know, Stanley was a great man, great director, uh, or about the fact that uh, uh, lots of money could be mine uh, if I actually succeeded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You know what I've uh, heard oh, of-
1: yeah, Well, really, um, uh, it's a bit stronger than that. In order to be able to work with Stanley, you have to be able to fight your own corner and um, uh, maintain your individuality. Uh, Stanley was a bit um, uh, all consuming so that... Um, uh, at the very beginning, uh, I said, you know, Sandy, I'm only going to write in the mornings, uh, and I'm only going to do it weekdays, and he uh, reluctantly agreed. Uh, he kept on trying to chip away at this, you know, by suggesting okay. maybe I should sit up all night or um, uh, work all weekend, uh, but if, if I hadn't, uh, you know, maintained uh, my own corner, uh, I could have been consumed and destroyed by the process.
0: Right. And I hear this a lot from his collaborators, and it's a reason why so many of his collaborators on his crew uh, return to him, uh, oh. because, yes, it's, it's, it's the, most ch- the most challenging work that they've ever experienced, but it, it reaps the, the greatest rewards.
1: Well, oh, it does have uh, quite an, an effect upon my own writing, really, because Stanley was remorseless uh, at discovering any flaws uh, however minute in the logic of the uh, plot of the uh, uh the story. Uh, and um uh, he could widen those into Grand Canyons uh, that mm. were uh, uncrossable. And he could knock over a house of cards if uh you know it was in the least bit vulnerable. And I've tried to apply some of this, uh, probably unsuccessfully, uh, since then in um you know thinking logically uh about trying to make a, a story flawless, for example.
0: Mm-hmm, mhm. Did you get a sense that? Did you feel that you were uh, constantly being uh, tested in in a way by him?
1: Uh, well, yeah, there were little tests, um, uh, it, but it, it, it became a kind of comedy routine sometimes. <laughs> I mean, for example, Stanley um, uh, would phone me and rebuke me and say, "It's like you're writing a B movie for a moron." Uh, and then the next day, he'd phone and say, I, you know, it happens to read well today. And I remember I said to him on that occasion, do you think that's a um, coincidence, Stanley? And he said to me, you're trying to befuddle me. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a kind of comedy routine as, as well as a, a, a testing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 I've also heard it said that he was so uh, involved in the the details uh, to the minutiae. I mean, things that others thought, you know, you shouldn't be spending this much time on this. How did he keep that attention to detail from sacrificing his, his vision of the whole? Or, or do you think he was successful at that?
1: Well, I think that he could keep many, many balls uh, up in the air like a conjurer. Because he wasn't just uh, dealing with uh, AI, he was also secretly dealing with uh, uh, the beginnings of Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. And um, he was still having thoughts about the, the the Napoleon film that never came to be. uh he, he was, um, he sort sort of an encyclopedic uh, conjurer. And uh, you know, you couldn't see all of the balls, but I'm sure he kept track of them all.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you? What kind of quirks did he have that 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 surprised you? I, I mean, I've heard that he was. Obsessed with the, uh, American sports, and he he watched every movie that that came out.
1: Uh, well, he never actually uh, pushed anything on me uh, after discovering uh, uh, that I was, you know, not really uh, on that wavelength. Mm. Uh, he um, was very enthusiastic about Eastern European cinema, such as Krzysztofský. Uh, Did he call Krzysztofský? Um, the Polish uh, director. Yes. And he was, he, he, uh, yeah. He asked me to uh, watch uh, some of his movies, and uh, uh, we were, they were showing on uh, BBC at the time. And uh, I watched part of one, and, you know, I, I just uh, uh, got nothing out of it. And, uh, you know, I told Stanley that, and he never mentioned Krzysztofsky uh, again.
0: <laughs> so, what what do
1: uh, you. Yeah, he, he would take on anything that you um, uh, were interested in, try to find what it was. Uh, I happened to mention something about the uh, capital punishment of animals in the Middle Ages. Uh, uh, to, but the conversations uh, were, uh, you know, like es- walking through Escher space. Uh, they, would, um, uh, they, they were not just, uh, you know, they were three-dimensional mazes. Mm. And uh, he said to me, uh, you, 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 have you got anything on this? And I said, yeah, I've got a book on the, um, uh, uh, the uh, criminal punishment of animals. And he said, I want to borrow it. Uh, so he borrowed it, you know, to disappear forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, to get a sense of what. And,
1: uh, another thing, uh, <coughs> I um, uh, I once I was uh, loosely connected with the Games Workshop at the time and ended up uh, writing a, a number of uh, novels uh, for them, which paradoxically uh, are my most popular books. Mm. Uh, uh i I mentioned uh, uh, Warhammer and um, uh, such things Stan. funnyi immediately became interested and I uh, wanted to see uh games workshop art and pictures of uh, science fiction monsters and uh, it, it's uh, I don't think it's a coincidence uh that the guy who uh, ended up doing the um uh the concept uh, drawings uh the Fangorn, uh, Chris Baker, uh was involved with um, uh games Workshop games at the time and I think I showed uh, Stanley some of Fangorn's uh, uh, work
0: mm, mm.
1: he was a wonderful magpie
0: yeah yeah uh, do you think that what do you think his legacy is what do you think we're missing uh, w- without another Kubrick film uh,
1: without a Kubrick film you mean without another one to come
0: yeah yeah
1: um well, uh, now, if you, if you count uh, chronologically, uh, they were taking longer and longer to make. Uh, so, um, okay, he, ma- he managed to do um, uh, Eyes Wide Shut relatively rapidly. I think it was only about two and a half years. Uh, but um, uh, apart from that, he was... Um, you, you know, I, I think uh, that his family had lived he might still have been working on AI, waiting for um, more things to come. He, he packed up for several years uh, when uh, Spielberg brought out Jurassic Park uh, because he was waiting for the uh, CGI to advance further. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. He had
1: enormous patience.
0: Yeah. and you, But you weren't. Uh, and
1: impatience. Uh, he was a wonderful mixture of total impatience and patience. Uh, for instance, one day I, uh, we, were, we were talking about New York and um, uh, flooding, and uh, uh, our, our guys being there. And I said, I wonder what you can, uh, whether you can see any equestrian statue uh, out of the window of Macy's. Um, uh, Stanley immediately picked up the phone, phoned his assistant, and uh, said, uh, "Okay, uh, get under the uh, public uh, relations guy at Macy's in New York and tell him Stanley Kubrick uh, wants to speak to him." Uh, This was done within approximately five minutes. uh, The phone goes ring, ring, and there is the public relations guy from Macy's. And uh, Stanley says, would you mind walking over to the window and telling me what you can see? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, imaginary patter of uh, feet walking away and then coming back. And Stanley said, yeah, uh, okay, thanks, and hung up. And (laughs) um, uh, and Stanley said to me, the employee retards these days. So... um, (laughs) We phoned Tony and um, said, look, Tony, uh, phone Warner in uh, New York. Get a photographer down to Macy's now. Uh, Have pictures of everything that you can see from the windows uh, sent to me by Air Courier uh, for tomorrow. Mm. This was done, no doubt, at enormous expense. And um, uh, when I uh, walked in for our next uh, uh, story, Natter, uh, there were the photos. And we looked at them for approximately forty-five seconds because by then we had gone past that point. Mm. And uh, three months later, the photos are still scattered, unmoved on the table. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is what I mean. You know, a, a impatience and extreme patience.
0: hmm hmm Because you you met with him. You were on this project
1: ninety
0: ninety one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this was pre. Jurassic Park, like pre kind of the the digital revolution as we know it now. Yeah, what,
1: hang on. When, when did Jurassic Park come out? Ninety-three.
0: Oh um,
1: well, uh, did, I mean, did you
0: did you think that what you were writing was possible to accomplish?
1: Um, tell you even possible to film. Or, uh, yeah, film, did you think uh, the
0: technology uh, existed to support the ideas that you were writing?
1: Oh. um uh, well, uh, number one, I, I have wonderful qualities of amnesia and twisted time, so I've got part of <laughs> that part racking earlier on that. Number two, um, Stanley, uh, when, uh, when I said, you know, how, how would that look uh, as a shot, he said, um, I deal with the filming, you deal with the story. Mm. And that was that as regards um, uh, any contributions I might want to make towards the uh, technology of the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, basically, he uh, said, just you know, write what you want to see, uh, and um, I'll decide how it's done and uh, if it is doable.
0: I also remember reading from your from the from the lengthy piece that you wrote, the, the beautiful piece on on your time with, with Kubrick, is that he would re, after you, after the two of you parted, uh, he would return to you every now and then to get another copy of, of your work because he kept misplacing it.
1: Yeah, well, this is true, in fact. Uh, uh, when we split up in, uh, I think, December uh, 1990, uh, he, he became um, de- depressed about the project and said, Ian, I don't think this is going anywhere. You know, uh, I think we should just stop. And, uh, you know, I'll tell Warner to send to stop sending you money. And I thought, oh, um, uh, on the one hand, um, I like having Warner sending me money every week. On the other hand, uh, it was a pretty exhausting uh, experience. So I said, well, okay, Stanley, and, uh, you know, bless you. And uh, then three months later, the phone rang, and Stanley said, you, uh, you remember that uh, thing you wrote for me? And I said, yes, I do remember it, Stanley. And then he, he claimed to have um, lost it and written over the uh, the files. I can't quite believe this because... Um, uh, you know, Stanley was meticulous in uh, many aspects, uh, and I don't see him just losing the um, uh, the story. Which uh, it is possible uh, that he could not find exactly where it was at the moment, and um, uh, the fastest way to accomplish his wishes was to phone me.
0: Mm-hmm. Possibly. And and and, and he was all, he was constantly on the phone, wasn't he? Um, well,
1: while I was working with him, yeah, they uh, uh, the way we worked was that um uh i i would, I'd visit him for a uh lunch and um uh then we'd talk about the about scenes in the movie and uh, we we try to invent scenes in the movie really uh, you know jumping about from place to place uh then after about three hours of this i'd um uh, go off home and the next morning i'd get up and uh and write scenes which we'd agreed and fax those to him uh and then he would uh phone me either um oh, uh, uh, usually early evening but he he tended to sleep um, uh american time mm-hmm. uh in order to be in touch with uh, uh lots of people in america yeah you he know, was far from being the um uh misanthropic uh, hermit uh, that some idiot uh portrayed him as being. You know, he was uh, completely uh, on the ball and in touch with the rest of the world yeah uh and uh, so he died of sort of chastised me, half-chastised me, uh, praised me, and just um, uh, determined whether I'd have another story conference the uh, the next day or the day after, or whether I would have a few days to actually get on writing scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On average, I would see him twice a week and sometimes three times a week. If it escalated to four times, this actually left me no time to write any of the scenes you we know, were uh, <laughs> uh, producing.
0: Yeah. Uh tell me what you miss most about him when you when you when you think of Kubrick what 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 is your fondest vision of him
1: Oh well he was very um uh well, a sort of um uh, a, a kind of genius tramp uh I suppose it might have been like being with Albert Einstein uh, perhaps mm-hmm. and um he, he was um uh Oof. it was quite easy to get on with, uh, but um, you know, he you had a lovely dry sense of humor. Uh, but, um, you know, you knew that within the teddy bear there were um, lots of uh, springs of coiled steel.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh,
1: but um, it, it was a pleasure seeing him. And um, uh, it was fun being with him.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was very permissive, really, because uh, I smoke and um uh you know, he, he wanted the uh, collaborator to um uh it, to be natural and at ease. So the fact that I smoked meant that I would smoke while um uh while we were discussing the um uh the story itself. And Stanley even uh I took a, a couple of my roll up cigarettes a couple of times. Uh though he didn't smoke. you know, just really to know uh what I was uh, doing and experiencing.